Welcome to the Above the Rim Game Day podcast. I am your host, Vince Curran, along with the John R. Rockwell head coach of men's basketball, Steve Donahue. Coach Donahue, you came off the break. You went up to Ryder. You, you got you got a win under your belt. And it's it's funny, we we talked about how you know a couple of tough overtime losses may have toughened you up and may have taught you a little bit about how to win. Who knew that that quickly you were going to be able to go back and, and start learning those lessons and putting them in place. You know, um, and, and, and sure enough, here comes overtime again, Vin man. Right. Um, that's the, the, the cruelest lesson is, you know, the one you fear the most. And um, we, we figured that out. We got up by 16. I thought we played maybe our best half of basketball all year. And we're still up 13 with eight to go. But, as I kind of said to people afterwards, uh, we're not 40 minutes yet. I think we're getting close, and we had to be good for 45, and I thought we executed in overtime. And to your point, the lessons are you got to be excited to play overtime. You got to be ready to execute. You got to forget what just happened for 40 minutes, uh, in particular on the road, and get yourself a win. Um, well, it's so- tough also when you got a guy that is 12 for 60 coming in from three point range and he makes six and, and like all of a sudden you, you can almost see it coming, right? He makes the one at the end of the shot clock. Then he's like, Oh, you know what? I, I do remember how to shoot these. And then he's feeling it. He's going to it and almost single-handedly brings Ryder back into the game. Yeah. The kid Alan Powell is a fifth year guy. Uh, I think he's a really good player. He has not shot it well all year. And I felt the same way you did. We started thinking, let's, you know, deny him the ball. Um, he got loose. He got it on the dribble. He made hard ones. And, you know, you feel like the momentum's slipping away and you got to do whatever you can to stay grounded and run good offense. And I give our guys a lot of credit. I thought we, we got ourselves back together and, um, two big baskets. The one George Smith gets as a layup and then he gets Andrew Latchikowski on a cut. Just when things were unraveling, I thought it kept us, uh, kept us going in the right direction. Well, they were the only two buckets for a long stretch. It was about eight minutes. And the the, the second one that uh, Laskowski gets coming down the lane after two, it was a, it was a classic George Smith play, right? Get, I can't remember whether he got the rebound or got the outlet, but he went end to end with it. And he, he almost looked like it, it was the old Siani Chambers play. Like, I'm going to get so far into the lane, and then I'm not even looking to shoot it. And then here comes Laskowski coming down the lane and finishes it at a huge time. Uh, I thought George Smith, for for not having a lot of points, made a big play and made a lot of big plays. Yeah, I think that's a, the with George is sometimes you look at the the box score and you just don't see things that jump off at you. But when you're at the game and you feel his physicality, I thought he guarded the kid James, who's preseason player of the year in that league, and and he he just is so connected. And to your point, like. That was such a big play. Um, And then just gives us uh, a calming influence out there with a bunch of young guys. But like, you're right. The last eight minutes, you know, we got to, we got to do better than that. We got to execute better. We got to, when you have your foot uh, on the gas, you got to, you can't let it up. And that's something that we've done a few times. And I think the guys are starting to realize that you got to play hard for 40 on both ends of the floor. 
Well, and we've seen it, at least to your point, we've seen it uh, uh, several times throughout the year. Like we've had halves where we've come out and we've really shot it well. And invariably, the, the, the discussions that we're having on the broadcast at halftime is, all right, we, you know, you've shot it really well. The opposing coach is going in there saying they're not going to shoot it this well in the second half. We need to press out. We need to take away Sam Brown, who killed us in the first half, and, and they did a good job. Ryder did taking him away in the second half. And it's like the, the halftime adjustments where some of that gets taken away. We've seen it a lot. And like, what then do you do to say, all right, hey, I, I got to mix and match a little bit, or I'm gonna I'm gonna change this up a little bit. You know, I, I thought you did a good job of of keeping Spinoso involved. I thought he was terrific, and the the whole inside out action helped us. But at the same time, you, you probably to your point played one of the best halves because you shoot it so well in the first half, and then couldn't kind of find it in the second half until Tyler Perkins banks that one in from three in overtime. And you finally think, oh, we could breathe a sigh of relief. And lo and behold, you can't even at that point either. I think you touched on uh, some of the key things that we're, we're, we talk about and work on a lot. Everybody makes adjustments. They're a veteran group. They made adjustments. They went small. They started switching a lot of things. So the things that we got in the first half, we got downhill. We went inside out with Nick. They helped. We kicked. We got nine threes off, nine makes. Well, they're not, they didn't do that in the second half. So you have to, and as me as well, I got to put them in position, understand that this, this game has changed and we got to adjust. And I think we're just not there yet, in particular on the road with some of the younger guys. But I thought as the uh, overtime came in, I thought we really did a great job of understanding what we had to do. And you hope that these lessons are learned and come Dartmouth on January 6th, we're, we're better because of it. So we talked about it during the, the LaSalle game and we were not right next to you where the broadcast position was up and looking at you kind of turning towards the bench and kind of putting your head down a little bit. This time on Saturday, we had the benefit of being right there as you turned around and I said on our broadcast, I don't think we've ever seen a coach that was less happy with the last second of, of, of a winning overtime game uh, as there's almost that, that dive in foul commit there at, at the end. You, your reaction to that was priceless. Uh, you know, young guys do crazy things, man, man. Um, you're up four. The only thing that only thing that can stop it is someone trying to steal a basketball and foul. And now there's two seconds and a shooting foul. And we showed it. Um, I think the young man knows now that um, what, what I'm trying to get a point across, we've been through so much already in this year, Vince. It's just like, I just didn't want to live another moment like that. Speaking of been through so much, you're about to be through a lot more. You're taking the team on the road after Christmas, before the league season, two high major road, high intensity, big games. What's the thought process on those and how do they come together in, in the era of larger and larger conferences? Getting games this late in the season seems to be that it would be more difficult and, and, and trying to get teams before they get into their league schedule. 
It is. I guess this is one year where the seasons for most of the high majors are pushed back a week. So we knew that going in that we possibly could get some later games. I, our our schedule's so crowded in November, and then we have such a long finals. I always want to try to do something to get the kids off campus. Let's get together. Let's play a couple games where we don't have to worry about school and really grow as a group leading up to the Ivy. The hard part is, you know, and I think a team's in our league and we're not the only ones. I have a hard time uh, because our league's so good. Uh, teams like Auburn and Houston typically won't play you. And I, you know, listen, they didn't want to play us, uh, but they wanted games there. And we're one of the few leagues that starts a little later and we're able to get it in. Um, I, I, I love these trips. Um, I love the challenge. These are two heavyweights. These are both top five, according to all the computer metrics. Uh, you're going in their building, and we get to really figure out who we are, where we're going, and learn from it and come back as a better team. And and people always ask, like, why do we schedule these games? Because that's what you do at Penn. When you're running this program, it's my responsibility. I came here. The guys come here to get an elite education and it's a great place to play and coach because you compete nationally. And we did against Villanova, but we showed ourselves well against Kentucky and we want to try to want to not knock off one of these heavyweights as well. They talk about going down there to Auburn, old friend, Ira Bowman, a couple years on your staff, Penn, all sorts of ties to Penn has been a star player and assistant coach now down at Auburn. And, and frankly, like everybody that listens to us know that that I've got my my favorites over the course of low these many years, and there, there are guys I said, well, I can't have a man crush on this guy. He's one of my contemporaries. Like, all right, I admit it. I got a man crush on Spinoza. Laskowski was one. <laughs> Darnell was one of them. Right, Belcor was one of them. Like over the course, Fran Doherty was one of them. Like, like and now. And, and I corrected myself, and I said, well, you know what? I got a bit of a man crush on Scott Kegler, which, I mean, who could blame me? You know, he's a great-looking guy, uh... great to be around. And Ira Bowman is another one. I just absolutely love him. He bleeds red and blue. Just talk a little bit about him, your time with him, at, both as a as an assistant coach. And, and you had him for a year or two as a player, too, correct? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I um I think we had yeah two full seasons, maybe yeah maybe three because he sat out a year. You yeah. remember the uh, dunk he had talking. in the red and blue game when he was sitting out that year? <laughs> I, I remember. remember yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. He got the ball in the corner right in front of the pen bench and took off and threw down one of the hardest dunks I've ever seen, and I was like, "Holy crap, this guy is going to be fantastic!" And it turns out. He's as good as he was as a player. He's even a better guy. Yeah, the the one story I share I share with our team a lot. Uh, obviously, it's seven year NBA vet as well. Uh, it, when he came, he sat out the year, and the next year we're coming off an undefeated second consecutive undefeated season. And I think Dunf was thinking he had a stardom, and um, and he came into Dunf and said, "Scott Kegler should start. He's a senior. I'm fine coming off the bench." Um, that tells you the type of person speaks volumes for the culture that Dump instilled back then. And that's the way he is as a person. Uh, when Bruce Pearl called me about him, I, I sold him. 
I like I've never sold anybody because I truly believe he's one of the best basketball minds I've been around. He could run his own program and he's an incredible person to have in your organization as a person. Um, and I don't think he had anything to do with scheduling. I don't think he wants to play against us. Kind of went around his back on this one. Um, and it would be great to see him. I mean, he's got a great family and I'm so thrilled. They went to a final four with him and he's done an incredible job at Auburn. And in addition to all of those other talents, I think he's got a little Ric Flair to him. The, the introduction he gave for Darnell Foreman at the, at the banquet that year was yeah. off the charts. He, he just kind of kept raising the level. And by the time Darnell finally got to walk up, I think everybody was ready to run through a wall for him. Yeah. He's got that. He is, he's passionate and he loves this place. And um, I get texts all the time from him about after games and I follow his progress. And uh, I love that we're going down there and seeing him and, um, as I said, he's done a great job, and I'm thrilled for him. You get texts after the games. I get them during the games. So <laughs> he, he is he is almost – he and my mom might be the ones that watch the most. So he he is he is not afraid to uh, to let me know what's happening and and uh, let, let me know and, and let all the other Quaker faithful know that he's out there paying attention. So what does this – talk about the two teams coming up. Auburn, then Houston, what do you expect out of each of them? And what are you looking for to try and build to that January 6th game at Dartmouth? Yeah, I think these two teams are, first of all, defensively two of the best. And Houston is the best. To, to lead the nation in steals and blocks and field goal percentage, I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, they're 104 and 16 in their last 120 games. They just suffocate you. What I'm looking for, uh, in particular in that game, I want to, I want, I want their best punch. I want to see how we react. I want to see Sam Brown get trapped on a ball screen and get the ball out of there, and our decision making at the rim. And I want to see us have another level of poise in a really hostile environment. So when we get back, um, we're going to respect all of our opponents, but we're going to have a level of confidence that we can deal with anything because we we fought through some real adversity on these two games. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I can't say I'm thrilled about playing either one of these teams, but these are two of the best defensive teams that we're going to face. And it's going to take a, a really tremendous effort uh, to compete. And I'm looking forward to see how we do compete. All right. I know this last question is the one that's front of mind for everybody listening. What was the big Christmas gift in the Donahue household this year? The big gifts are Pam buys for herself from me because she doesn't trust me and she deserves great gifts. We both agree on that. And I'm a lousy creative gift giver. So she got herself some really nice boots, purse, coat, you name it. Then man, and she sparkly. She de <laughs> probably she deserves all of it. I had a friend telling me a story the other night how uh, she thought she was getting something sparkly for uh, for Christmas one year. And her now husband gets down on on one knee and says, come on, scoot over here. And she's like, oh, this is it. This is the big moment. He gave her a goddamn puppet of her like a ventriloquist <laughs> dummy of her. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. You, you like you, you couldn't make it up. And I said, well, did you, you know, like, when did the, the, the sparkles come? 
She said it was like two years later. I said, come oh, on, somebody's got to talk about not coachable and no feel. No feel. That's not the time for humor. Trust me. Yeah. I know that. Uh, I, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm not sure he was trying to be funny. I thought he thought he nailed it. Like, oh, yeah. I got, <laughs> he, he got up that, that morning, looked himself in the mirror, is like, I got the perfect Christmas present this year. There's, I, 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 I'm, and she, my wife Pam probably doesn't agree, but I know I'm not good at this. But I'm not going to try to be funny either. Like, this, this Smart. Is, oh, <laughs> thanks, man, man. I'm not, I'm not good at it either, but I know exactly where to go. The jeweler. <laughs> Every year, uh, year after year, like clockwork. You're right, my man. Well, happy holidays to all. This has been the Above the Rim Game Day podcast brought to you by the Penn Champions Club. I am your host, Vince Curran, along with the John R. Rockwell head coach of men's basketball, Steve Donahue. Coach. Yeah, Ben, man, before you sign off, I just – I got a lot of uh, uh, really good responses about this podcast. I think it's a fun way to kind of bring the people who love Penn basketball close, and I appreciate everyone that listens. We'll keep trying to – make it grow and be creative and try to think of other ideas and take questions. Cause I really do want to let, I use that word far now because this program is great because of so many years of great love for the program and the help that we get. I want everyone to feel a real part of this. And I think this podcast is, is, is able to do that. So I'm going to keep, keep doing it. And I appreciate everyone listening. On that note, there you have it. Quakers. At Auburn, Quakers, at Houston, and then Dartmouth on January 6th to start the Ivy League season. Thanks very much, Steve.